What would be it's, the opposite of a polar bear? Hmm, a desert chicken. <laughs> Wait, is that a real thing, or did you make that up? I'm making that up. <laughs> oh, okay, but so, all right. Realistically, a, you you could take a chicken to the desert. So, but that would just be like his nickname. That would be a chicken that lives in Arizona, and it's just like, oh, hey, that's my friend, Desert Chicken. Welcome to the B Mega Podcast. Adam and Luke are two lifelong friends and writing partners. They make original heroes out of everyday experiences. Every week starts with a fresh idea and ends with a new character. Adam and Luke think writing is fun, and they invite you to the Mega HQ to laugh and create something new. Welcome to the B-Mega Podcast. My name is Adam. I am here in the Mega HQ, as always, with my good pal, Luke. How you doing, Luke? I am trying to get my head wrapped around the effects of daylight savings time on my schedule. Even though spring has been sprung for weeks. Really? It really does. Are you on that consistent asleep schedule? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's fair. See, because I don't think I sleep. I don't go to bed or wake up at that consistent a time. Like you, you just kind of come and go just well, kind of I mean, whenever. It's just not, well, it's just not that consistent. Like I would say within an hour and a half or so of the same time, but but that's enough to absorb the hour difference for me. Do you, do you feel like you're constantly behind then in the spring? No, it's, it's not really a, a matter of um, making my schedule feel different, except I, I'm not a fan of, of daylight at night. That weirds me out. So you I, prefer the winter when it's dark, I, good I, I really do, yeah. Man, you just, you really just, a basement with no windows would yeah. be your Perfect, thing. like a meat uh, locker. Just uh, throw me in a meat uh, locker, uh, lock me in for no. the for the season, I'm good. It's just now such that you can be outside and breathe in Canada, and I'm so happy to be able to get outside and see some sunshine. <laughs> you and I are, are, as always, as with all things, complete opposites. Polar bear opposite, yes. <laughs> we are the polar bear opposite twins. What is it then? What is it that it affects? You know, I say it doesn't affect my schedule. It, it kind of does. Mo- mostly it affects my my uh, well-restedness. I feel like You're just that... not able to get... It, it, it tips that... You, I imagine you probably live in a pretty delicate balance of not being that well-rested anyway. Yeah. And, and this daylight savings time business just pushes you right over the edge. Is Here, that the situation? Here's the secret. I stay up late. I tend to stay up too late. How late? Person. How late? Are we talking? We're talking anywhere from no- noon. <laughs> I stay up as late as noon, but just on Saturdays. No. Uh... As late as <laughs> the polar bear opposite of noon. Right. Um, I'm gonna make that a thing. This this episode, polar bear opposite is polar bear opposite. Trademark Megaton City News. How is it that it affects you? If it's not really primarily the schedule, it's the, oh, yeah, it's the it's, sleeping. Uh, yeah, the sleeping thing. So yep. you stay up late. So how late do you stay up? I stay up anywhere from midnight to two in the morning. I wake up by like six thirty, six forty-five the next right. morning. I was going to say, why not just go to bed earlier that night? But that's the thing. It's like an addiction. I can't stay. I can't go to sleep or, unless I'm just. Sure. Unless I just, I'm pass out sleepy. 
in the end, it really does affect the schedule because I'm always trying to fit in bits of creativity in the evening. That's why I stay up so late. It's not like I'm watching Netflix or playing video games. You stay up late because the time when you have allocated to create is at night. And so you just are always trying to create more of that time. Yeah. It's like, oh, I could stay up with just another 30 or 40 minutes, and then next thing I know, it's 2 o'clock. That's one of the things that I have struggled with for a long time is just creating a schedule for making things. Or uh, Well, and I think it's interesting. Like, I'm the kind of person who, in a, in a work environment, I self-manage my – like, I manage myself by creating schedules and systems. So, like, in some cases, I'm really good at that, but – I've yet to figure out a way to do it with creative projects in a way that I'm satisfied with. It's just right. such a different set of output and like the, the measurability of it is challenging because sure. you know just writing a certain amount of words isn't necessarily a measure of having done good work and so it's sort of it's just difficult to gauge like when a thing is done and if a thing is and sometimes you're not you don't have any output but the most important thing that I've learned is you have to create a system or a schedule that works for your personality. So that's like right. for you, that's like you saying you like nighttime is when you feel the most creative anyway, sure. and it's when other people don't have demands of you, and so you've made that sort of your time. It's so interesting how you fall into I think natural like routines, and I do Just, think if you can like the easiest thing to do is harness your natural routine and say okay. If I could do the same thing, but if I could, instead of starting at 11 every night, start at 9.30, then I could go to bed by this time every night or something. Right. I don't know why now I'm like, it's turned into me giving you sleep advice. (laughs) It's like trying to fit a couple of puzzle pieces together. It's really hard when you're working against that that schedule. Um, So I think that's part of the reason that this whole time change messes with me is because it's just trying to jam a square puzzle piece into a a rounded puzzle hole. And and thinking about this time change and, and scheduling, it reminded me of, it's another kind of scheduling. It's not creative scheduling. It's it's the scheduling of, of life's necessities. It's those things that you have to fit around the creativity. Uh, and that stuff really, that stuff's a bummer. You just have to do it. And one of the worst things is trying to schedule automotive work, mm. uh, trying to get a car fixed. And I think it's especially frustrating because normally something has, has just happened. It's an emergency. Right. And, um, you know, you... <laughs> You have to try to fit this emergency into a schedule that's just moving at a slug's pace. It's either it's always either an emergency or the amount of time that's elapsed since the last time you got an oil change or whatever the thing is. It's like it's kind of an emergency because you're starting to look at it and going, I don't know how far over the 3000 miles you're allowed to go before the car just spontaneously combusts. Exactly. (laughs) Like if I'm two thousand over, do my tires just fall off and I yeah. get a ticket? Like what happens? It was just an assumption that you and I have about the same level of attention to detail for car <laughs> auto maintenance. I do not like having to schedule car work, and and there's proof sitting in in my garage. We have a car that's been sitting there for going on years now. I don't even know how many years, but it's a car that we had and it had sentimental value and it crapped out on us. And 
this thing was going to cost too much and this other thing happened and it was going to cost too much and we couldn't figure out who could take it and who could work on it in a feasible amount of time. So I was talking to my wife about this, basically a paperweight that's sitting in our house. I told her that I just sometimes, because of one, not liking to, not enjoying the, the process of getting people to fix it, and two, the fact that I don't have any automotive repair skills, I just told her I wish I had some sort of magical ability that I was some sort of a wizard or a warlock or that I knew a wizard or a warlock who could just magically resurrect our cars when they're broken down instead of having to deal with the the mechanics and and all that mumbo jumbo. So this week's character is the Automancer. Automancer. Mega Basics. I like this on so many levels, and the, the the biggest thing I like about it is because in Luke's brain, it's all of that mechanic mumbo-jumbo. That's, that's crazy, like bizarre, weird, doesn't yeah. know. But then you're like, uh, the obvious, easier clearly understandable perfectly sane answer is some sort of mysticism or magic obviously <laughs> that's obviously how a car works anyway i mean come on people that's how everything works in comic books come on it's like that's i mean i've looked under the hood that's gotta be some kind of magic <laughs> I love it. The Automancer. What is this metallic spell underneath the hood? When you picture the Automancer, what is the where do you see that we come from with this Automancer? I had a little bit of trouble with this. I took a few jabs. The core I think is going to be the child of a of a mechanic. This is a a, a new adult or maybe even a young adult who who's grown up with a, a mother or father who's been repairing cars for decades. Maybe okay. even military, like a military oh, okay. mechanic. Interesting. Like the 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 son or daughter of a of a military mechanic. But yeah, they does but but <clears throat> does no longer lives with No, I think is, they like is out of the family home or I think they're I think they're still living with the family. They do a lot of repair work um with the with mm. the adult with the parents. Um but the parent is 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 really old now. They've or they're they're I think something's wrong with the parent. Maybe they they've they're old and they are unable to do the, the work. Maybe they've got like severe arthritis, their their hands just don't work like they, they used to. This character just spends time repairing cars at the house. They just kind of, they're like the go-to for for everybody in town when somebody has a right. car problem. They call this person like, "Hey, need a quick oil change?" Then, bing, bang, boom, it's done. Right. And they've also modded it with like a a tail fin on the back of the car. Well, nice. <laughs> Shake your tail fin. So, why are they going beyond even the, a good level of service? What's their this person? It's like when a, a child grows up um, reading lots of books or being read to all the time. They they grow to enjoy literature and, and, and books as an adult. This this character grew up in the garage, was a grease baby, just was constantly uh, around the, the parents' right. parents' work and grew to love um, 
fixing cars, building cars, modifying cars as as almost a form of of expression, like self-expression. They're not artistic in the way that that people would say, "Oh, you can paint a picture, you can play mm-hmm. a guitar." They they create artwork out of um, just building cars from scrap. The this is the the young person. The young person, or, yeah. Or about the young. Person. The the young person has just a um a real knack that even the parent didn't have uh because from being growing up around it right what do you think about the possibility of that the maybe the parent works for uh like race cars like like in in like auto racing like maybe the kid not but that i don't know yeah i don't know why something you said made me think that would be an interesting yeah, like they've world to grow up in. Like very fast paced and traveling yeah. all over the place. And it also I also imagine this character as being kind of kind of rebellious and, and rambunctious. They don't want to just work in a garage and fix the cars that come to them. They 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 want to go out and they want to fix things. So like I could even see them just secretly modifying cars like around town without even telling the owners that they're going to do it. Sometimes yeah. people are like, "Oh, cool! You put a sidecar on my sedan," and sometimes they're really upset and she has to unmod it. I think that's maybe where I was thinking about the race car and that does they're like the the racing connection and it doesn't have to be that but just that he would that would be a even though I suppose there's there doesn't mean there has to be a strained relationship between parent and child that that if the parent is in and maybe your military idea works too that if the parent is in some sort of really sort of uh, intensely rigid and like in a like competitive or in a, a, a direction like that that maybe the automancer very specifically thinks that that kind of drive loses so much of the essence of of vehicles and of what they could be capable of of automobiles in any way right whether that's performance or style or aesthetic and that there's sort of a a real there is a real artist's sort of drive to make the most of each vehicle in whatever form it you know what i mean wherever yeah. to take it from wherever it is Does yeah. that makes sense yeah yeah so i think we can combine a couple of ideas i think the mm. dynamic of having this parent who was in the military was a mechanic in the military for a long time and is now retired military but got back into the game and right. is is doing doing work on the road for for someone who's racing I don't know, do, working as a as a racing mechanic. Right. So then you have this character who is traveling all over the country with the the parents, and mm-hmm. is getting into trouble by doing these things to to complete strangers' cars as they're traveling. Yeah. And maybe like, but also builds a, building a bit of a following of right. Maybe like. Um, I don't know, people who appreciate the uh, sort of, you know, maybe fans of industrial art or something who are fans of his spirit or something or his, his direction artistically. That maybe it's sort of like a, you know, like a Banksy situation where it's like ah. he's, he does all these things and so there's sort of an, under, an awareness of him but that nobody knows who does it. Yes. Going from town to town, this person searches out the, the local junkyard right. and pulls from that not just not just using functional cars but pulling from the graveyard and and they make 
Franken cars. They just use scrap and bits right. and pieces and, and make things that... Why go from just repairing automobiles, which which the person loves, to going out and, like, you know, making it sort of also street art slash sure. vandalism slash community service? I think they, as a child were not necessarily allowed to do the... They wanted to do the ah. things, and they had the ability, and they knew they could do it, but for one reason or another, the parent kept them from from really being a part of that process. So then they they go out on their own, and they're, they they say, well, if, if I can't work in the garage where the, the functional cars are, I'm going to find the junkyard, and I'm going to make something out of nothing, and then you'll see what I can do. So maybe that's that the parent because the parent has a, a military level of right. sort of rigidity that that there's there's a, a rebelliousness just to rebel against that that attitude and that the even though the parent taught this person all of the skills and, right. and knowledge that there's still a, a desire to do more and so that it's just it's just an act of rebellion in the only place that that expression can be made i guess yeah yeah it it's it starts out as really rebelling against the parent and then suddenly turns right. into wow i have these skills that i that are actually pretty admirable what is their life goal like like beyond you know like what's either what is this all about or is there a a, a another life goal what is what is the it that drives this person to the future i so i think they want to join the military but i think i think there's something that's keeping them from doing it some sort of physical some sort of physical abnormality mm-hmm. um that that prevents them from from actually joining the military um despite this this massive amount of skill they're able to to do these all of these great things with with uh with cars why why driven to join the military it just seems so it seems strange with the rebelliousness like i I was i'm surprised by that what's the it's so there's a rebelliousness but there's also um because of if you look at the way that they're when they make these things and they're putting these things together or when they're modifying people's cars around town Mm. it's normally to help a person or it's to make a thing better sometimes they get a little weird and it's a little out there Sure. And the person doesn't necessarily appreciate the, person the artistic right. licenses that they've taken with their their SUV. As always with art, right? Sometimes your audience doesn't know that it's good for them. But her, even in her rebellion, I think the rebellious nature was early on. But as she started developing, this obviously is a is a female. I've I've turned sure, her into fine. female. <laughs> um, as she as she's grown and develop these skills she's started using them to help you know maybe there's a an elderly person who has trouble getting in and out of the car they modify the the driver's side of the car for them to get into what do you think about maybe something maybe the father there was some sort of scandal and that's why the father's not in the military anymore and that's why both why the daughter wants to go but wants to to pursue that to you know sort of redeem her father who was Maybe, maybe wrong, wrongfully accused of something. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and that's also why she can't get in. That's perfect. I still have mixed feelings about her wanting to get in, but I I, I, I like I like the intrigue of it. You know, that's a it's a contradictory 
emotion. It's a very torn emotion. It's, you know, it's someone who's, who's spent most of her life rebelling against her father, but not necessarily right. against the system. This, that well, makes and sense. I think, I think what, yeah. And I think you're saying that there's an underlying purpose of doing good for people right. that manifests itself in these sort of artistic and enhance art, you know, art projects and vehicle enhancements that may or may not be appreciated. She does have, I feel like she has a, um, a titanium wrench that was, that was handed down to her by her father. And it was, I think the story behind that is that he was trying to, um, satiate her her need to become part of the garage and part of that process but was like well here's just a little here's a token for you to hold on to I used it when I was in the military it's yours now maybe it's not really a way to keep her out of the garage that if anything that's more of like a key to come into the garage really but um, well, no, maybe it was like uh, like when when she first uh, started working as an apprentice with the father or parent or whatever sure. that that Maybe that's when she was given the wrench yes. or something. Yes. Like it was the first tool she it's... was given to be her own, and like, and it has some special meaning that the father got it from his parent. Yeah, or, or like it was a an award given to him while he was right. serving, and then because right. that's what they give guys in the military is titanium it's wrenches. Titanium wrench. Highly detailed research went into that idea. <laughs> um, well, but I like I think the idea that it's that she has this wrench that yeah. It, meaning sentimental value and like maybe his his team from like his crew from when he was in the military they put it they they gave it to him as maybe. like when he was released when he was dismissed or discharged his crew was still with him and they were like well here's here's a, a token of our appreciation for all the years you served with us and then he passes gonna, it on to her i was gonna say that when when he first joined the military there was like uh this great teacher or somebody that that gave him the wrench or something, the person that trained him. But maybe that's I like your thing too. I, any of those work. <laughs> yeah, we don't A, need B, or C. Yeah. So one important thing I think is you kind of see her her character arc beginning very young. She's she's in the she's in the garage, but they're kind of distancing her from from really being involved. It's not really her place to be there. He's kind of keeping her distance. She rebels starts doing things on her own, develops these skills, and in that rebellion phase, maybe starts to show her father that she does have what it takes to kind of be a part of the crew, starts working in the garage, wor- working with the crew that he's working with, and then he eventually gives her this wrench as a, as as an indicator that, yes, we do accept you, You're, you've grown into what we we never thought you would, would be as part of this crew, and things take a drastic turn in just a, a few moments. Is there anything, person or idea in the world that this young woman really dislikes or, or, or is afraid of or against? She doesn't like it when people have to pay full price for cars. <laughs> she doesn't like getting a bad deal on a vehicle. She doesn't, she doesn't like getting a bad deal. She doesn't like it when other people are. Maybe, maybe better yet because it's so antithetical to like a, a, maybe not maybe I shouldn't say that will offend all of the car people in the world but I mean it, it's so against stereotype to think of a mechanic or a car dealership like it's like you just assume that they're going to screw you that maybe that's her maybe that's 
No, but I mean, you, she's trying to changing the stereotype. A, a stereotype that yeah. mechanics, unless you sure. know what you're doing, that they're gonna rip you off a little bit, and so maybe that's her. Her she really detests that whole that that the experience of of owning and operating a vehicle for the average person has become one of frustration because people who know about it are, are aren't on the up and up or yes. something. Yes, and, and that's then, why that's part of why she likes to do all these things for free. Well, and then she also Houdini's mechanics or service places um, by going in and pretending that she's she's just an average person, and it's like, oh, there's something wrong with this car. I need some help, and they they try to fleece her, and she's like, ah, gotcha. I know, and like she just she. I don't know. I don't have the language for it because, <laughs> as I said, I don't have the the knowledge of auto repair. But um, she's able to just like throw out yeah, yeah. all the all the lexicon, and just and then like in the meantime, while they're trying to tell her all that, she's like taking apart the other vehicles, fixes or something. all the other stuff. Yeah. yeah. How does this just rebellious, interested in? helping the world of automobile owners have better lives and experiences this this person that that we were talking about how does this person go from just a regular day-to-day life of you know talent working with vehicles to a new life of mega activity well i think she's in an accident i think something happens to her that disfigures her hand and leaves her unable to to do the work that she's done for so many years and leaves her devastated. Like her whole life, her identity has been built around building cars and mm. it's it's gone. And her father, this makes even more sense now that we've decided he was in the military. Her father gives her another item that he's held on to for a long time. It's a prototype that he built when he was in the military. And it's it's some sort of psionic magnetic neural some sort of a device that she can fit on herself whether it's putting it on her like on her wrists or hands or it's like something that she wears um, but it gives her the ability to manipulate uh, metal and metals of all variety and basically gives her the use of her hands back only psionically I don't really know what you mean by psionically psychically like using telepathy I gotcha it's a device. It was a, a prototype that he built, and it was going to be used. They were going to give it to soldiers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, yes. They were going to give it to soldiers when they're on the battlefield. All of the the machinery that's been destroyed in in battle, they could manipulate and turn into basically not cars per se, but kind of lumbering mechanical beasts that they would then use as as soldiers against the enemy. But everybody said, no, 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 this is this is too weird and too too out there. Uh, if this gets in the wrong hands, this could be really dangerous. And then he was the, dismissed. The work with metal thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then he was dismissed. Well, maybe maybe that's why he was dismissed. Maybe he was, he was dismissed because they, they wouldn't – he wanted to use it in more subtle ways, and they were like, oh, we could we can build armies with this. We can do do anything with this technology and – yeah, and he, he refused left. to let it. Like he, he wanted it to be used for things like quickly repairing right. vehicles like on and, the fly. And, yeah, and 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 more about safety and saving lives. And they wanted it to use, use it to 
you know, those sorts often do. They wanted to use it to destroy yeah. people and things. And yes. We could use this to really <laughs> tear up whoever. Um, it's interesting. This, I don't know, maybe it's not the, I was going to say this is one of the first ones we've done where it's just a, it's just a, a an item that the person has access to. I don't, you yeah, know I mean? it's not like, necessarily uh, a transformation, but. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. purely technology driven rather than some sort of actual transformation. I think it's great. So, and maybe that's it is that between her and the father or if it is the father and maybe or maybe not that person gets involved in addition to this ability to manipulate vehicles but also presumably other forms of metal which sure. is kind of a that just the ability to create lots of interesting vehicles, gadgets, stuff like that 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 this would be an accessory heavy Right. Meg, right? Like, yeah, is that a lots, true, true thought? Yeah, I feel like there would be, like, her her base of operations would just be full of... It's a garage. Like, it's a garage, and it's got gadgets over here. It's got giant pieces of scrap metal over here. 70 or 80 different vehicles of all different sizes, shapes, and yeah. form. She probably, high, like, probably rents vehicles out to the toxic taxi driver every once in a while. <laughs> Absolutely. Once she has access to this new ability and has become the the automancer, does she have some purpose that sends her out in the world doing good beyond her usual good? If we maybe look a little deeper into whatever accident happens to her, see if there's something there that would would instill an even greater purpose for her. Mm -hmm. um, it, well, maybe maybe somebody tried to take it. And that's what the accident was. That was that somebody tried Ooh. to break into the break into their shop and and take this thing. And that was when the father had to tell her about it. But then also because of whatever happened to cause her to not be able to use her hands, that something happens to her father's garage, and he become he's mortally wounded in this in this uh, incident, and yeah, she's yeah. injured. She recovers yeah. a little quick, a little bit more quickly. She's able to at least get around in the hospital, uh -huh. but he's. He's on his way out, and he, in his dying breaths, says, you know, this, this, I know exactly what these people were looking for. Yeah. This is where you can find it. This is what you can do with it, and these are the people you need to keep it away from. Yeah. In order to. You're the, you, you're the one, you're the, it's perfect anyway, yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the key to activating it is the titanium wrench. Yes. That there's some specific there's that, that something wrench, in that it specifically or something, yeah, yeah. That he made that the key. Yes, I mean, it, <clears throat> there's the greater purpose of just like oh, these were bad people, these were corrupt people, like these are, and he maybe that's something that she that he reveals to her. It's that these were corrupt individuals in a system that should be um, for the people and should be. So who would want to steal it? Who like who? Maybe corrupt military corrupt politicians trying to use it to their for their own um their own purposes maybe maybe just the fact that they want to uh take the technology and try to retrofit it or try to replicate it for themselves and 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 do the thing that they wanted him to do when he was in the military and never got the chance to Maybe it's some sort of more conventional villain who has dreams of, I don't know, some kind of world domination or at least uh, by using it, by using this device Ooh. to 
control all the world's vehicles and traffic yeah. or something. Maybe it's some sort of auto manufacturer. Like they mm-hmm. they they sent some some hitman out or whatever. It's, and if they can get this technology, they can implement it on all of their cars. And as their cars are running down the highway, they're just slowly tearing other cars apart. Not like not like as they're driving, they're just falling apart. But it's like bits and pieces here. So right. their cars so are just slowly okay, degrading and they have to. Yeah. So it's an auto manufacturer who wants to make it such that, yeah, basically to mobilize a bunch of vehicles that are going to do damage to the other vehicles on the road. That's so then when all of those other cars are, are falling apart, everybody's like, well, we have to obviously go to whatever evil. I think that's fantastic. Quotation mark, not evil car company. No, but that's like the great, that's a really great classic evil villain. This, so this person who's running this car manufacturing company and, and, and knows about this and maybe was ex military with the guy and, and they worked together. Maybe they trained together yes. and this, this person got the titanium wrench because he was the prized pupil instead of the other person who yeah. then got out of the military and started this company and made lots of money and had all the trappings of success. But, really at the end of the day doesn't is is awful and and is awful as a person and that's why um that's why that's why he got out of the military because he didn't you know maybe even this person had maybe this car company also has military contracts still and that's how and maybe this person was part of how the father got fired too because in that whole process that's why he knew about it i like it mega powers well first and foremost the Automancer, through this device that she wears, and I, f- I feel like it's some sort of a harness that also has like something that that just kind of wraps around her her head. I was picturing something like really like that. It was very <laughs> not graceful, like that. It was that it looked <laughs> like car engine parts, but that it, it like was on, on her, her head. head. Somehow. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Like, because, like, that wouldn't be this guy's strength. He right. would be, you yeah. know, he's... Uh... Yeah, totally. Yeah. Forget what I said. It's a giant... <laughs> <laughs> so, through wearing her enormous engine helmet... <laughs> I hope you're not just going with that because I suggested it. No, that you I like it. <laughs> <laughs> because then you have, like, you can have all the... um Again, I don't know the words, but like yeah. the, the tubes that stick out, like the cylinders or whatever. She'll look a little bit like a car engine, and that yeah. seems somehow appropriate. From the eyebrows the up, she'll look like a car yeah. engine. Yeah. <laughs> so when she's wearing this helmet, she is able to um, manipulate any vehicle that is nearby. And there's some sort of a radius, right. probably like 30, 40 feet. Sure. Um, but she can she can manipulate them, make them do really whatever she can imagine, whatever she wants them to do. Um, if she wants to take a car apart to maybe throw up a wall of, of mm. bits and pieces of car, she can do that. Or, uh, like I mentioned before, she can just take parts of cars or multiple cars and create just these automotive monstrosities <laughs> that are almost like car golems oh, that just like kind that. of kind of wander around and, and fight villainy and with do her. her bidding. Mm-hmm. I like she that. can only control it for a certain amount of time. 
and if they get yeah. damaged, she takes the damage too. Ah, for the animated vehicle yeah. monsters. Yeah, yeah. She can reanimate these. Does, these cars. does is she only able to manipulate vehicles, or is it only certain materials, or is it only metal, or is it any inanimate? You know, I you said know I, mean? I said metal earlier, but I feel like it. It's it has to be. <laughs> this is comic book science. It's car material. It's right. Um, she may, you know, if she really concentrates, maybe she can pull pieces of buildings away if they're sure. metal, but well, maybe it's, you think of it as she can work on the things she can work on so right. sort of cars and car like things. Yeah. And then maybe a little bit of the, you know, the odd peripheral yeah. item. Now let me ask you an important question. Okay. When she is taking apart an engine bolts and nuts just come undone like things yeah. just like spin on out of you know like, what i mean like, like someone's got a high power yeah. thing yeah. pulling them apart yeah, yeah. high power I, thing high you know? power <laughs> thing it's always you and i end up in these episodes where we're like let's talk about the workings of an automobile and then we're like wait i don't i don't know anything about that do you know anything about that ratchet high power ratchet i'm gonna say that because it sounds pretty good but somebody's french torque oh good yeah i don't Uh, know what you use it for but it's i don't know either i don't have one i don't like the this is one of those moments in my life while we're creating this episode while we're making up this character when i'm just like it's really weird to not own a car (laughs) like i like i it's a it it, all of us like i don't think about it most days most of the time but then there are moments where I'm like, yeah, weird. I just don't own a car anymore. It's not a thing that I, like, I don't, I like it. I like it because I never knew anything about it anyway. It yeah. seems appropriate. I don't know anything about a car. I don't even know what a torque wrench is. Maybe it's not even a thing you use on a car. <laughs> you could tell me it's a hobsnobbler, and I'd be like, all right, well, oh. let's put that hobsnobbler on there, I guess. <laughs> let's snobble the hell out of those hobs. Anyway. Hobsnobbler f- refills the turning fluid. The turning fluid, the, the blinker fluid. Yeah, the turn, the blinker fluid, <laughs> the turning fluid. I don't even know that phrase. So that you can turn, power steering, power <laughs> steering fluid. That's a thing. Yeah. With the device, what that allows her to do is communicate with a car that, with vehicles that beyond the ability to manipulate them physically this is based on again maybe this is comic book science or maybe this is mega science or maybe this is hey either way podcast reality <laughs> that vehicles that that let's say all inanimate objects but specifically in this case automobiles all have a personality and uh uh, uh i don't know like i want to say kind of a simple purpose okay and they're aware of it and it's a thing they're active and she's able to tap into that and to Ah. understand and so because of that this is part of how she's able to get these vehicles to do things really well because she has a sense of what you know one vehicle may be really driven to um to protect people and one vehicle may be driven to go really fast and 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 they and this may be very much not in would think based on the look of the vehicle or the person driving the vehicle but that this is just very something that's it's inherent within the inherent to the vehicle itself and so she's able to tap into that and understand that and use that to her advantage and then also because of that communicate with the vehicles such that they will follow her orders so that even if she's not manipulating them she can override say the driver and get the vehicle to do as she would like for it to do in terms of actually operating actually driving does that make sense it does i like it a lot 
it's like the cars have carburetor karma. The it's like essence. they have just a little bit of an yeah. Like I want to. I mean, I was gonna say a humanity only because I don't know how else to say it. Right. But it's like that. There's a. It's like that. There's a a higher plane of purpose and emotional existence and awareness that than we normally would give them. But maybe not as much as I people more than, and that that's something that she can tap into. Well, and that's why like a person will get into a car and it's just not quite cooperating with yeah. that person and that's that's an instance of person not matching the spirit of or, the car and like sometimes yeah because you know that person who like buys a car and it's two years of just just struggle and stuff going wrong with the car and right. yeah that have you ever felt like you had a car that was like just like that car yeah was exactly the right car for you at the time yeah totally yeah that means a lot yeah Huh. Sometimes you get in a car, usually for me it's somebody else's, you get in somebody else's vehicle or, or maybe it's a rental and you're like, I don't, this doesn't feel, I don't feel like I can really have a re- the kind of relationship with this vehicle where we can both traverse the earth safely. Like that. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I could drive 300 miles in this car without falling out and dying. So like something doesn't feel like my cheeks don't sit right or there's a, something's not yeah. like it wants to go, it's big and spacious and I don't like that or it's too... It it explains the whole reason we do test drives. You have to like make a, sure. It's like a first date. Yeah. You gotta see if you're compatible. <laughs> Are you compatible with your compact car? <laughs> Could you imagine a car dealership that, that emphasized that, that talked like that? That would that, be that, amazing. That, like, fairy, that they was would like... do so much business. They would. They would do so much business. Oh, I'd shop there. Come and just converse with the car. Tell it about yourself. Maybe bring it an offering. Perhaps some fresh oil. Or wax for the hood. Like some cars like to be cleaned and yeah. like like waxed and like with lots of like little clean neat accessories. Yeah. Some like to be simple and like, not. Show the car that you like to use chamois. Well maybe the device runs on gas. So it's like constantly like yeah. it smells and has exhaust. <laughs> and maybe one of her one of her missions in life is to make a more sustainable and longer lasting yes. energy source for the Yes. There's like the Mach one, which is like the big rough engine. Yeah. The, the so Mach that's where two she is like a little smaller. She's yeah. working her way down to like a so she'll evolve, a yeah. hybrid, right yeah. Now has like a standard engine, like a standard vehicle engine. That's lovely. Because the dad made it, right? But eventually, yeah, she'll yeah. progress. Like maybe the first one even runs on on, <laughs> on diesel. Yes. Oh. Got to start it like a lawnmower or something. <laughs> like out the side of her head. Hey, could you do me a favor? Pull this. <laughs> Hello, listeners. This is Luke, and I wanted to give you a quick disclaimer for what's about to happen. Normally, Adam and I spend the entire episode bouncing ideas off of each other to create a new hero. This week, we're trying something new. We invited a longtime friend and former collaborator named Brian to throw some of his own ideas into the mix. This was a total reunion because Brian and Adam hadn't seen each other in like 10 years, but we fell right into rhythm and made each other laugh almost immediately. And that's the awesome power of creativity. Here's the first segment with Brian. You'll hear from him again later in the podcast too. Enjoy!
So uh, in the synopsis that Luke sent me, the the one thing that I didn't catch at all was uh, like the very first word was that this was a hero. <laughs> so so I read the entire thing as uh, as her being a villain. It kind of whoa. Based on that, I kind of took her as more of a like an anti-hero. I've I've been out of the the comic game for a while, so I don't rem- remember all the people. So Luke, you might be able to fill in, but there's got to be people who are like. They kind of do their own thing, and sometimes they'll help the good guys, and sometimes they're like they bash heads with with the good guys because sure. they've got ulterior motives. She may just, in general, go after any like any automotive company that's overpricing their cars, or they've had too many recalls. She's like the Punisher for car yeah, manufacturers. Yeah, yeah. That's a good reference. That sounds like really aggressive Better Business Bureau. <laughs> <laughs> so I started thinking about like kind of secondary things. And I just always like just completely stupid off-the-wall powers. So I came up with, with two just ridiculous little add-ins. One of them is uh, it's maybe more like a, a tick, but it's it's her when she gets into something, just starts talking really, really fast. Uh-huh. Like the Micro Machines guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it's like she's like revving up when she's when she gets excited. She starts talking to the way that her engine revving does. She changes points. She's got to shift gears and like start over and rev up again. Yeah, that's awesome. Maybe maybe does maybe her volume goes up too, so she gets louder as she goes faster. The other thing that I I thought was just her having a slight electrical conductivity. So it, it's not enough to do anything with. It's just, like, annoying. Like, you know when you, you drag your feet on the carpet and you, you go to grab the, the doorknob and you just get zapped? Yeah. It's like that. You know, just this light amount. You, know, you can't power a light bulb or anything with it, but you can just kind of zap people behind the ear. And just, <laughs> just mess with them. When all else like fails, that. just sneak it, up on a person. <laughs> Yeah, but if you zap somebody in the eyes. <laughs> That's brilliant, and it should I think it should just be a side effect of the helmet. <laughs> that it's just the helmet wiring's a little Yeah, there's a loose wire. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just she's and she's just used to it. <laughs> she has this current running through her body all the time. There's yeah. a little bit of a She was able to That's find good. one rubber glove to isolate it, but the other one <laughs> I wanted her to have an, an additional sensitivity to exhaust fumes. So, so since she's working with all these, you know, older cars, they obviously put out a lot more uh, emissions. Something that's going to be a lot worse. I, I felt like that fed into the anti-hero thing. Of, she can do it. She can. She can make all these incredible things happen. But it it takes a physical toll on her because you know the more things that are happening with with the cars, the more exhaust she's going to be exposed to, and it just kind of builds up in this toxic effect. Um, I started thinking about uh, like a Bane mask, but <laughs> without, without the annoying voice. <laughs> well, and and she, I mean, if she's speaking quickly, if like if you know if she's has that happening, <laughs> she's going to be breathing a lot more. So it's like she's doubling her intake of whatever atmosphere is around her. Plus, didn't we say that the helmet itself is gas-powered and or diesel-powered? Yes! 
Yeah, she, it's it's got like a a pull uh, pull cord yeah. on it. One of these. So she's constantly in a cloud of her own her own exhaust. Well, so that so that could be a part of uh, like that why that weakness is so critical is not only the vehicles that she's working with the uh, the cars that she's manipulating, but also in order to use the device at all, just just using the device, she stands in a cloud of exhaust fumes and if she's she's uninterested in newer greener cars because of this this um this love of the classics it's it's an even deeper level of complexity because she could eventually like she could upgrade her helmet she could get to you know have like a prius on top of her head but she refuses to there is a criminal element that's trying to get their hands on it this guy this fella who who went or went to was in military training with the dad yeah. at, and maybe was sort of that shadow and that went the, the the corporate route with his mechanic training maybe the dad was discharged honorably and i, mm. I don't really know how the discharging process works again no research well he could have just retired too or like or retired yeah and but then maybe this guy he was he was kicked out like he he was not working well with others he was not he just was not a good guy and they just totally kicked him out of the military so yeah like, well and I, I maybe but i like the idea of him being the only thing about that is i liked the idea of him being involved in this military project like somehow he's well, the, yeah like that they have the contract so maybe he you know ended his five years or however many years you're supposed to do sure. and did that and left and then went into the corporate world because it wasn't he couldn't make enough money for yeah. him so he he didn't feel like he could have enough influence in the kind of life he wanted so he left and took this job with a a, a big car company and and moved up and now he in this process of the father getting discharged because of this invention and maybe it's just because the father refuses to let them have it and then yeah. they discharge him um and this guy and that maybe the and the military has the you know uh, not a super positive purpose. It's just that they have a militaristic purpose for right. the invention, and the father is really against that. And yeah, and, and the that he'd worked his whole career in the military to be about, on sort of non-combative like operational vehicles and sure. stuff like that. Like this thing would have been it was like the the medic for automotive for like yeah for, it, like they would have had a person in any battalion that would have just been been with this device ready to fix whatever was was messed up um, totally. as opposed so, to so so that's what he wanted and then the military said yeah but we could also make big the car monsters out of it and it would yeah. be awesome and he was like no and the guy the this this villain this soon to be villain this former uh, uh you know colleague or whatever who runs a, the large automobile automobile manufacturing company and and has the contract for this with the military but really secretly wants to put this device yeah he has, he has a plan to put this device as part of his car engines with and using it and programming it to destroy other vehicles on the road doing damage to lots of vehicles and even worse obviously lots of lots of human carnage right in that scenario i was gonna say that he has he he invented because he's not quite as good as the as the father he tried to invent his own okay also and that but then when that didn't work that was when he got involved with the this business oh so after the father after he doesn't get his hands on it 
he goes back to his own invention and thinks he has it all worked out and that it will do the same thing. And so he puts it on himself, but then like it doesn't actually work and it gives him some other power. Or Maybe something. like it, it draws a bunch of pieces of cars to him. And like he's he's he just becomes like, a car monster. Like he's been in bed. Like he's merged with all yeah, these yeah. like random car parts. Right, because he so he maybe he thinks his is working, and he's like, all right, I'm gonna take these yeah. cars and turn them into this. I like that we're just calling it a car monster, but yeah. And 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 when he does, somehow he ends up embedded in it, and that's just his new existence is that he's this giant. Totally. So he's just, I think, he, but he's still the CEO of the car company, and he's like a but, seventy foot tall. Nobody ever sees him. Like there's like just a portion of his his torso and head that's visible and like if he ever has to do a, a conference call or a video just, call you just see that but then the rest so. of him is just all car parts first he tried to use the technology to do the thing where the cars are falling apart on the road right and he just he went the next level he's like he just couldn't stop yeah so now does he have as this big car monster other than obviously being a big car monster so that's kind of scary does he have any other abilities like is he is he able to manipulate cars or no yeah so he can also manipulate cars but maybe because his invention is faulty he can only make them fall apart like all he can do is deconstruct things he doesn't have an ability yes. he, to... I mean he's like strong and he can physically strong yeah, yeah. but then he can just walk like walk through a town and just his presence he can you just see all these cars, cars just like hunk, hunk, like tires fall off hood crumbles car doors slide off so when they fight the automancer spends a lot of time reassembling cars as yes. they're as they're falling apart so that to save people yes man i want to see this made into a movie now <laughs> this is way cooler than transformers <laughs> sells overpriced car to undercover vigilante. Salesmen learn the true meaning of ABC. Avoid bullying customers. And now, the Mega Origin. Joanne Steele was the only daughter of a master automotive repair professional. She spent her younger years attempting to impress her father and his pit crew of surly race car mechanics with her own unique, if not fascinatingly artistic, vehicular modification. Excluded from the garage by her overprotective father, Joanne instead explored junkyards and scrap heaps, refining her modification skills by secretly adding discarded car parts to strangers' automobiles to make them better for their owners, whether they needed it or not. She sensed that each car had a spirit or purpose that was not necessarily acknowledged by the average driver. Through her augmentation, those inner essences were unlocked. Though she was often fined and even jailed for her clandestine modifications, Joanne took great pride in the fact that at least a few of the augmented car's owners were pleased with her additions. Joanne's rebellious life was upended when her father's garage was raided by a band of armed corporate thugs. They ravaged the shop and mortally wounded her father in the process. Even Joanne was injured in the fray, leaving her hand disfigured. As her father lay dying, he entrusted her with his prized titanium wrench, a relic from his secret life in the military. 
He explained his involvement in a top-secret experiment and how the army had dismissed him when he refused to let them use his creation for their purposes. His legacy was hidden in the shop and it was the reason the corporate goons had attacked. With his dying breath, her father explained the location of his second greatest creation. Returning to the shop and using the key to unlock a refrigerator-shaped safe, Joanne discovered her father's legacy. An enormous helmet that, when worn and powered on using a handy pull cord, granted her the ability to manipulate car parts. She could dismantle any vehicle made before 1993 and reassemble it however she saw fit all without using her hands to physically touch the vehicles. With her mind, she could create Franken-cars, great mechanical golems that would do her bidding as long as her helmet had enough gas. With newfound power and a burning desire for vengeance, Joanne set out to find the ones responsible for her father's death. This quest eventually put her at odds with The Recall, an auto industry exec and failed military mechanic who had been jealous of her father's innovation. After dispatching the monstrous Recall on several occasions, Joanne decided that every ill-behaving automotive corporation would feel her wrath. High prices, safety violations, and poor customer service were all the motives she needed to justify her attacks. Though the justice she distributed was sometimes cruel and always unusual, the public at large came to appreciate her efforts. In the busiest of traffic and over the loudest of mufflers, everyone recognized the rattling engine helmet worn by the unbelievable Automancer. 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 There she is, with an assist from our great friend Brian, the Automancer. Adam, this was such a fun episode of the B-Mega Podcast. Bringing Brian on board for this episode of the podcast was an interesting experiment for us in opening up this process to an additional person, to an additional mind, thought, set of ideas. Right. And that can always be scary. I think that's I think that's the balance, and I think a good place to start, and why I really am always perplexed that people don't work together with their friends on creative projects more often than a lot of my friends at least do, is we were already comfortable with Brian. Yeah. And because of that, it makes it a very safe environment. You've already got a shorthand and a trust, so then the, the ability to jump right into creating something. Most of the awkwardness of most of the social interactions that I have are because nobody knows what we're supposed to do. Right. Nobody knows why we're having this conversation, why we're interacting, what is what is any of this about. If Brian and I had just had a Skype call after 10 years, I would imagine it would be pretty awkward. <laughs> I think I like to think it would be, you know, cordial and friendly and nice, but who knows what the hell we would talk about. We certainly yeah. wouldn't know where to start. Right. That common goal of using your imagination like completely because like, I, I was terrified like you said I was terrified for like 30 seconds like when we started <laughs> yeah. it I was like oh I don't know what's going to happen oh, yeah. I don't know how this is going to go but then we had that common goal Brian was ready to roll with 
like ten pages of of notes that he had taken. Yeah, that that helped too. That he came in with a lot of he'd given it a lot of thought because it could have gone badly. <laughs> Not nothing against Brian, but it you know I mean it it you and I have times where right. it doesn't click and and. and What's key is for everybody to show up with some level of yeah. investment and, and work having been done or something. And, and, and if you've all done some work and you all care about shaping an outcome, in this case for a character, it's pretty amazing how quickly people naturally will work together to do it. Like you, you're, it, it sort of taps into your natural instinct to work with people to make something or to kill a buffalo or whatever that instinct is from. But you know what I mean? Like, right. I don't know. There's, I like it. I find it to be, I, I, I found that that took all of the ideas we had had about the Automancer and where we had landed and just showed the Automancer to us from a different angle. Oh, totally. It was just suddenly we got to, before we were done creating, see this character from Brian's perspective. The collaborative power of, of bringing perspectives together in order to make something that's that's greater than the separate parts that's like that is the the very definition of real creativity the automancer was a character that you and i had a fundamental basic but yet gaping hole in our background that made it difficult to create a character that was vehicle based since yes. you and i know nothing about automobiles and the addition Brian made that had to do with automobiles, really you didn't have to know a lot, but you and I couldn't even see it. Yeah. Because we were so lost in the mud of recognizing from the beginning that we weren't gonna have, it was not going to be easy to create a car-based character when we don't know anything about cars. Yeah. Brian, looking at it from a fresh perspective with, with, with the character we'd already created, immediately saw that what was missing was that he, there should be this character she should have some strong attitude about cars there yeah. should be there should be cars she likes and cars she doesn't like or she should have and it was like we couldn't get there on our own that makes absolute sense that is that is an example of him putting himself into that character the same way that you and i have put ourselves into the character that's what we're all doing right i mean that's and that's creating some version of ourselves Right? Like, I mean, that's, you're mm -hmm. not, if you're not in a character that you're creating or a, a scenario or whatever, it's difficult to connect with that character and right. to be able to control that character and to be able to uh, make decisions for that character. And yeah, it's, it's challenging to write collaboratively for a bunch of reasons. I think one of the biggest ones is exactly what you just said, that you're putting yourself into whatever it is you're doing. And then it's the abrasion that comes from somebody else also putting themselves into it can be very difficult. But what we've created in the B-Mega podcast, I think, is a place where none of that matters. Have abrasion, just make a decision, get through it, create a character. And even the decisions don't matter, and even the outcomes don't matter. All that matters is the process of creating something. And if you've shown up every day, if you show up, you're here, you create something together, and you had a good time, that's it. Well said, my friend. Excellent episode, Adam. And thank you, listener. If you enjoy the characters we create every week, be sure to visit megatoncitynews.com for even more superhero shenanigans. You can follow us on Twitter and use the hashtag Automancer to tell others about this week's hero. 
the best way to support the B-Mega podcast right now is to just leave an honest review on iTunes. That's all you have to do. That helps helps spread the word and lets other people know about our podcast. And and thank you again for listening to this week's unforgettable episode featuring our great friend Brian. We had fun, he had fun, and I hope you had fun too. Remember, the power of creativity is contagious. Grab a friend, have an idea, and be mega. Well, Brian, thank you for being our guinea pig first guest. (laughs) If you were going to deliver a message to the Automancer, what would it be? Keep on trucking. (laughs) End of the episode. Perfect. Well played. I knew you wouldn't disappoint. The characters and stories of this podcast are the property of Megaton City Creations. Copyright 2016.